Fear the Walking Dead, the podcast, an unofficial discussion of the news and events surrounding Fear the Walking Dead with Quinn Warner, Stephen Payne, and Bruce McGee. I'm Quinn Warner. I'm Steve Payne. I'm Bruce McGee. And this is Fear the Walking Dead, a podcast. The episode this week is... Uh, season two, episode four. Yes. And you said it was. I think it's blood in the streets. Blood in the streets. That blood will run. That's what it sounds like almost. Well, <laughs> and um, we open up with Nick on Black Ops, right? Right. How'd you like that? I okay. At first, you're I, a Nick fan. I know. First of all, as a Nick fan, I really you're it. team Nick. I, I am. But also, this is Black Ops. When Nick. I like when I started watching it. And he was like, you know, like washing up on the beach and stuff. I was like, did I miss something from yeah. the last episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did I watch the last episode? Yeah. I checked to see. And I was... actually did that. I like, I went back and I like looked at the end of the last episode and I was like, okay, I guess they're like they're doing that thing that sometimes TV series do where they like they just open with something that isn't really connected to what you've seen so far, but they're going to explain it like as they go. In Medius Rest, it's the yeah. old epic technique, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's and that reaction. I read some stuff about it last night. Is pretty common. Other people on yeah. the web were saying the same thing. Well, and I think we were supposed to be confused. Like, mm-hmm. what is he doing so. here? Why did he leave the ship? Why is he, you know, because mm-hmm. this is terribly dangerous to leave the ship. Mm-hmm. And didn't he learn enough when he was swimming last time yeah. <laughs> not to uh, swim with the zombies? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he, he looking back, he had a plan all along. Yes. It just seems so random. Like, I let's know. walk through these tents. Let's attract a zombie over here. At first I thought, like... Look at a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was all, like, his intention. At first, when he was, like, washing up and everything, I thought that, like, it was an accident. Like, they like the boat had sank or something like that, and he, like, washed up on shore. He got high and fell overboard. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, oh, my God, what's what, ha- what happened? But it was all part of his plan. And actually, Nick has... Um, it's it's the junkie trope again that's kind right. of you see because um, even though uh, drug addicts you know they have a lot of problems but they are usually pretty adaptable they learn how to like live in different environments because they go from like being kind of right. well off and then they like they wake up somewhere like Nick did in the first episode this like run down like church or something that's been abandoned and with they, a zombie girlfriend right <laughs> but here here you see him like he's the one that's learned the most about the walkers so far. Right. Because he really has. you see him like he lures the zombie, he does it very skillfully, and then he kills the zombie, guts him in a very like disgusting scene, and rubs the blood all over his yeah. body. And this is different from the Walking Dead where when they do the zombie camouflage, they get the guts and they you know oh. they put it on their bodies, you know, oh, that, wow. like, here's some intestines to put over my shoulder, but he just goes with the blood, yeah. you know, and uh, zombie blood seems to do it, uh, so he's even smarter than, um, you know, the, the Fear of the Walking Dead people who are still doing it the <coughs> same way they did it the very first time they discovered it was possible. That's kind yeah. of classic portrayal of the anti-hero, too, right, who is the character, the protagonist, or more proper term, is not particularly heroic, but in certain circumstances they become heroic. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's classic. You know, that's very modernist and postmodernist Absolutely. portrayal. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, I was fishing around for a larger metaphor for this time. It's still, I guess, going galt because... 
yeah. you know, um, which was last week, and but this idea that we're going to have our one percenter, you know, chateau or whatever it is, this yeah. this place in Mexico where we'll be safe mm-hmm. and uh, the world can go to hell, and you know that's not going to work out. Whatever it is they're going to is because then it would just be a sitcom, right? Yeah. We're going to have the zombie apocalypse all around us while we hang out in the house and you know, sip mojitos. <laughs> I did like that we're learning a little more about Strand that, and the fact that he's gay. That was my favorite part. Yeah. Because I don't know if you remember, but when we were discussing <laughs> things like in the very first season, when Strand was first introduced, I was like, you know what? Like, what if? What if... Because I kind of got that vibe. I was like, I wonder maybe if, like, he and Nick will, like, have something that kind of goes on. I, like, I speculated. But now we actually know that he is... He's at least bi, we should right. say. Mm-hmm. Don't rule out all the possibilities. Right, right, right. right. But, yeah, Stephen we actually to, said that. Before we went to Mike. Right. About right. 30 minutes ago, you know. He's certainly, you know, he's open to his masculine sexuality with yes. another man, which is, um, you know... Something that I didn't see coming. Yeah. But I should have seen it when they were talking in the restaurant, the other guys, like, playing with his tie, that, which is a That was such a huge signal. tip-off. When he right. was, like, playing with tie, I was like, oh, my gosh. And then when, like, they got kind of, like, closer and they were both kind of, like, glancing at each other's mouths, I was like, oh, my God. Like, you don't have to drag it's this out anymore. On. We know what's going on. <laughs> and when Strand was, like, putting him in bed in the hotel, I was like... Is this going to get raunchy? But it didn't get raunchy. Oh, Strand damn. just stole maybe from him. Maybe next week. When they... Maybe, maybe. And I wonder if that guy is alive and waiting for him. I wonder. And what's the name of the boat? Abigail, which is Abigail. his last name. Right. Mm-hmm. So Abigail like, oh. is his last name. But it's interesting that they met at Katrina. Um, I know. I saw Because he's that. not from New Orleans, but he right. was there to make his fortune. Right. But he got there two weeks early, and now yeah. he's, you know, his... His, he bought high, and yeah. now... Uh, he, he was bankrupt. Right. But that was really cool that uh, they threw Katrina in there because we discussed this earlier, like, during Season 1 podcast, that... Um, Disaster there were, capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of parallels between uh, what's happening in Fear the Walking Dead and what happened with Katrina, with, from, like, the X's on the doors and things like yes, that. Yes, the X codes, and they were back it's this week, It's probably borrowed Right, that, I saw sure. that. It's borrowed from that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that's where everybody knows the X codes from. Yeah. It's from Katrina. It was famous then. Mm-hmm. But I like seeing the parallels there. I do, too. Cool. And I like that they acknowledge that there were parallels. It makes it unsa- even more unsettling, I think. Oh, and, yeah. You know, these guys are basically vulture capitalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Who come in and make money off of disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, which, there are people like that, right? You know, um, was the little town we live in, or work in, Lucy, you know, Ruston with Louisiana <laughs> Tech, it's a, it's kind of a one industry town, and that industry is tech, and yeah. we were looking at it maybe closing because of the state government a while back. Yeah. There are people saying, oh, well, this is just being an advantage for me, because when everybody goes broke and has to sell cheap and move out of town. I can swoop in and buy stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, that is disaster capitalism, it's right? It's fundamentally... Ba- well, and really, you can make the case and say, in a way, that capitalism is exploitative. 
Well, yeah, but, but it doesn't is, exploit people; it exploits the land. Absolutely, but this uh, is, but this is in even its more, purest form. Right, with exactly. No, no desire to help the uh, no. help anybody whatsoever. <laughs> that was the um. The it's it's amorality at its right. worst. <laughs> Perhaps I don't know if we have a quote of the week this week, but maybe the quote of the oh, week can be: yes. "When there's blood in the streets, buy land." That's good. <laughs> that was the quote that they agreed on, and it was from somebody earlier. <clears throat> was it somebody from the French Revolution? They traced it back. Yeah, he uh, he sourced it, and I don't remember who. I don't either. Who said. And we're English teachers, <laughs> Stephen and I. We should be able to I'm disappointed in you two, not uh, myself. No, you're, you're not supposed to. <laughs> I'm not supposed to know these things. We're supposed to be the <laughs> professors, and but the they scholars. knew, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. So we will let Google answer the question. My dad before. always <laughs> said buy land because they're not making more of it. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's so, good. Limited commodity. <laughs> <laughs> and he was. Um, but he grew up on a farm, you know. I've yeah. never had that kind of relation to the land. Mm. Um, it seems like I've moved around more than I'd probably like to. So, um, yeah, so Strand would get to see a new layer to him. He actually is capable of, like, human emotions. <laughs> so. Yes, to a degree. I mean, when the guys, when they're parting and he says, I love you, Strand says, I'll be back for you or something like yeah. that. He, uh Baron he, Rothschild. But maybe the, this is Baron ah, Rothschild. Okay. One of the one of the what Rothschild family. He, 18th century. 1700s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before the French Revolution. Yes. Ah, this is he bought land in the panic that followed the Battle of Waterloo against Napoleon. Oh, ah. 19th century. Er, well, early. He he straddles the 18th and 19th century. Oh, so. I see. That does make sense then. <laughs> um. Yeah, but. You know, it may be, and I saw this in uh, Talking Dead afterward, that he's afraid of the word, you know, whatever it is in his background. Probably. He's real guarded mm-hmm. with his, with the L word, you know, that's a loaded term for him. Yeah. But keeping his word is big for him, and he right. said it a lot, and we haven't known if that was, you know, because liars would say that too, trust yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um, so is he... You know, just a talker, or do his words mean something? And it seems that they do, at least with certain people. I, I think so. I, and I think that with a, the case with a lot of people who have trouble with uh, the L word, you know. Um, Feeling the room closing. Yes. I, I think that with, uh, with those types of people, um, even though they are reluctant to show these affections and, like, actually like voice these affections I think that they show them in other ways yeah. I think that Strand's L word could perhaps be his loyalty right because mm-hmm. I think that so far he's kept his word even mm-hmm. even though he's had like his own secrets like that's him keeping his word to Mr. Abigail right. <laughs> so and there was a guy uh, I can't remember who it was but after 9-11 he had been living in New York and he mm-hmm. said of course he couldn't get on the phone to call his family and let them know he was okay, and by the time he got him, his mom said, well, your dad's got the car filled with our luggage ready to come find you. Yeah. You know, and here's a guy that could never tell his son he loved him, but it was clear, okay, well, I'm going to put everything aside and go mm-hmm. look for my <laughs> son. So he did, but he couldn't say it, and that's not that typical for guys my age. Right. <sighs> Macho. Uh, yes. 
Sometimes I love my wife so much, it's all I can do to keep from telling her. <laughs> that was the culture. I grew up in John Wayne era yeah. at the tail end of it. And you were a little after that, not too much, but it yeah. might have changed a bit. But, you know, Alan Alda and the touchy-feely... The sensitive guy. Right. The you kids know, of the 70s. That was the 70s, right. Yeah. It was a reaction against that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, in that... Larconic, yep, nope, guy was a Gary Cooper. <laughs> well, it was a reaction against the overly profuse um, emotionalism of the previous generation. We're always reacting to the previous generation. Right. Every E.E. E. Cummings and mm. my dad said, "If I could only go," and you know, they were they very were flowery and right, very demonstrative with their stupid emotions. So the World War Two guys were just like, "Yep, nope," <laughs> that was. I wonder if that's a an outgrowth of the Victorian and Edwardian male, maybe. Mm. Because, you know, a lot of people, particularly in America, look at World War either the interwar period between World War One and World War Two, or maybe right after World War Two, at least in America, being the birth of modernism. Right. Maybe so. so. Maybe it's yeah. an outgrowth of the Victorian. The flowery Edwardian. kind of, yeah. <laughs> and these other guys I think you're the, so full of shit, you know. <laughs> This then I think the reaction to World War One was that you know they were reacting to everything, mm-hmm. yeah. so they just kind of shut down in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you've been through enough, which makes sense when you see the hundreds of thousands, if not a few million casualties on the Western right. Front, mm-hmm. and, and if the, the you, cream uh, of Europe's males being killed, you know, on battle on the battlefield. In if France, you, if you grow up traumatized in a specific way, then you can come out like that in any given. Time period like Strand seems to have, you know, whatever his deeper past is, we just don't know it. Right. Well, what about the pirates? That was the yeah the, oh, the borders as they were called online. <laughs> Do you think these pirates are the ones that shot up that boat? Because they don't seem to have the firepower. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe they have a mothership. I don't know if they have a mothership or a derrick or something. Maybe they're part of this huge like fleet of pirates that are... Could be. And there's one... Because they, tr- they want to steal the yacht. Right. Maybe. And add it to whatever they have. Yeah. So it's possible, but I'm not entirely sure. But I, I did really like that part. I wasn't sure if... don't know how many bad guys are out there. If it's right. just this group or if there's another group. Um, I wasn't sure if, uh, you know, the guy that... Uh, Alicia was talking to was going to resurface at any point. And he did. And he definitely did. And now I think maybe Alicia is playing him. I think using she is her too. Wiles I think to, she is too, and she's doing a very good job. <laughs> well, hell yeah, of course. At first, like when they were um, like in that scene where they were in like the bedroom or whatever, and he was talking to her, you know, talking about like oh his girlfriend and like oh this is where you talked to me and things like that, and she was. Uh, she was being like, oh, you know, like, let me go with you and, like, make sure my family is safe and blah, blah, blah. I was like, man, come on, like, you know better than this. But then when they hugged and she was just, like, her eyes were, like, soulless and dead. Right. I was like, ooh, she has a plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was amazing. But the other guys, they didn't fare so well since Nick brought back his uh, mm. his new friend. I forget his name. His ninja buddy. buddy. What is that guy's name? He was kind of like a retainer for yeah. whoever the... Uber boss is. Like Louise or something, maybe? I don't yeah. remember. Maybe that was his last name. I don't remember. His mom had been their maid growing right. up. And they'd grown up kind of friends, but with a 
definite class structure there. Yeah, definitely. Apparently, somewhere along the way, he's learned to shoot at an awesome level because he's on the sea, which is choppy. Yeah. He's riding in a boat, Just which a headshot adds instantly. two headshots. That's you amazing. Know, I don't know if it's even remotely possible without a guided missile. I don't um, know, but he, he must be very talented, and he's probably a force to be reckoned with. So what do you think their real business is? Are these guys really into um, real estate? I mean, that's part of it, obviously. But it doesn't seem like if you're just into real estate that you learn to shoot like a Navy sniper? I think they're into making money. And I think that they're into making money however they need to make money. So there might there <laughs> seems to be a gang element is yeah. what I'm getting. It's, it's I mean, why true. have a fortress in the Baja? Yeah. You know, um, that seems to have been... Like, when I first saw Strand, I thought he, maybe he was a stockbroker or something, but he's not anything that boring, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He makes his money the old-fashioned way. He steals it. <laughs> that, that makes me wonder if Strand has foreseen some of what has happened. Not so much individual details, but like the broader picture of some sort of a civilization-wide collapse. Yeah, some kind yeah. of collapse. I mean, it's not that hard to foresee, right? Right. If we have some sh- just shock to the least little part of the system, like our transportation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think that, you know, our bag of coffee beans has traveled a collective like 35,000 miles yeah. to get to your table. Well, um, you know, if something happens to the ocean going vessels and they stop, we aren't locally sourced squat anymore. Yeah. You know, we don't. And a lot of consumer goods are that way. Bananas, yeah. bananas are. Like you said, coffee, tea, chocolate, all three are. Two generations beef, ago. Beef is. I mean, a lot of it's coming from Australia now. Right, <laughs> Among right. other places. Yeah, two generations ago, your local dairy farmer, you know, produced milk. You had somebody raising beef cattle. You had a blacksmith to make stuff. Right. Um, you know, everything comes from far, far away now. I mean, think about the miles that our smartphones, all the different parts have traveled. Yeah. You know, they're rare earths that only you can find certain places. <laughs> that This brings up another issue, too, that in the apocalypse, well, if you're thinking about apocalypses in general, then there are multiple ways to reduce a society, reduce a civilization to mass chaos like this, right? It doesn't have to be a biological agent. It can be right. an electrical agent, like an EMP, a series of EMP bombs. Set but off it in the can atmosphere. be uh, political, you know, yeah. let's shut the government down because yeah. whatever. But, I mean, but there are different ways you know, to attack yeah. the body politic because those are all attacks on the body politic. And ultimately, once you've broken this continual chain of, you know, cause and effect that we have going that keeps us the way we are, you just fall off the map as far as civilization mm-hmm. goes. You know, it's... Let's, produce bullets and shoot each other um and then we just when we finish those off we get something else yeah the, the classic con- classical conservatism starts with the insight that civilization is difficult to create and easily lost it's like it's a fragile. jenga block it's yeah. fragile it's a jenga block if you take out the wrong block at the wrong time it all collapses 
What room number is this? Well, and probably one of my professors in grad school was this old uh, anthropologist out of Michigan, and he said that uh, he was a librarian. He, yeah. he had done his PhD, his dissertation on the history of the book, actually. Oh. So he was a histor- He was a very special kind of a historian slash anthropologist, cool. and he and he made a real, he was a guy from. I think Peru, but he was Latin American. He was Latin American, and he made a really insightful observation one day in class, and we were talking. And he, he ran the class almost like a, it was a graduate course, but he ran it almost like a doctoral seminar. He said, you know, when civilizations, as they get more sophisticated, their degree of fragility also increases. Yeah. And you think about us. This, this is why people on the right wing don't fundamentally understand what it takes to well, run a civilization. Well, they're not actual conservatives. Right. Anymore. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're, they want to play Jingo with a bowling ball. Let's mm-hmm. see what happens. I probably yelled about that when you had my class. Yes. <laughs> but it's does true. that sound vaguely familiar? They don't understand systems. Because <laughs> it's the, a Bruceism. <laughs> because this is a fun, fundamentally is a system, and they don't understand systems. And had their complexity, their sophistication, well, they if, understand none of that. If they actually had the original insight that conservatism starts with, that yeah. it's right. fragile and we may tear something up that we can't fix, but they'd be very afraid to you know, try these radical experiments. Um, okay, so... About, it, about the pirates. Yeah, let's go back to the I, pirates. I do want to talk about the, um, the pregnant female pirate that they had and how uh, Madison was... Playing on her, like, right. her female like instincts and things like that. And when's like, when's the her? last time the baby kicked? Yeah, I think it might be a baby zombie. <laughs> is that, <laughs> that Madison is tough. She's got she's, a yeah. she's got a layer of steel down in there. She does. She's a little bit. I mean, I still find her a little bit annoying, mostly just with her interactions with Travis. I think just because they're both like as a team, I don't really like them very much. Just because they're just. I don't know. They're unlikable to me. But she as a person, like as a character, she is very strong. And she definitely like knows what's going on. She may be closer to Strand. Yeah. She's got kind of a ruthless... I can't see Travis having that conversation. But it's very... Um, I think it stems, honestly, from her being a mother. Right. Just to kind of show how amazing women are. Because they will do anything like at any cost whatsoever to protect their family right you know she's got two kids and a step kid on board right that she needs to and she's keep safe she's she's really like she's the only maternal figure on the boat so honestly she's That's probably true. trying like she's, she's probably kind of taken everybody she's in she's the and been den like, mother yeah you're all mine now and mm-hmm. we're gonna get through this no matter what so and i really like that because they're hitting been much in the way of strong matriarchs on right. the Walking Dead series. Yeah. They, it's mostly patriarchy mm-hmm. reproducing itself. And you've had a couple. One was the cannibal yeah. <laughs> uh, crew at Terminus and didn't really like her. The other was the woman that was the founder of Alexandria. And yeah. I really liked her character because she really wanted to start a civil society from yeah. scratch again. We've got to, you know, rebuild if we're going to survive. And so right. let's get a garden. Let's get other stuff going. Let's don't just have The infrastructure of a, of a civilization. Yeah. Then yeah. this, this brings up another question. How much will the new series 
distinguish itself from the parent series. Yeah. Right. Because it's got to be, it is the child of that parent. It's got to be in the same universe. It's got to be in the same universe, but how is it different? You know, right. Different? So we're doing basic comparison contrast analysis here. Well, and this year different? we've been at sea, and, you know, mm-hmm. our, our gang at, in the middle of Georgia and then transplanted to Virginia, they may go, you know, they may be needing some rain or a stream yeah. to drink out of, so they've been landlocked this whole time. Yeah. They've never been to a body of water that's big enough to, you know, travel on. on. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think that uh, Madison is a, a really cool character, and not only is she, like, really tough, like, emotionally, but she doesn't hesitate to kill anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's very calculating. She's, like, she knows what she's doing, and it's really awesome. And I hope Alicia, that they'll let her develop into a strong character, because I know that actress yeah. can do this. I know. Yeah, she was in that so, other series, you said, right? Yeah, she's in the 100, the 100. as mm-hmm. the uh, queen uh, of the yeah. uh, tree crew. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and she's a badass. Oh, my God. Have you seen that show? Yes. She's so good. There's your cosplay. Then, that would yeah. make a great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, the crow eyes yes. and oh, you I know. Would honestly, love to. <laughs> oh, it's, she's she's wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, how many years does that occur after the apocalypse on that other show, The One Hundred? Is it? I think they were the going to. It. It? It's like many years later. The hundred. Yeah, we bombed ourselves, and they went to space to survive the nuclear mm-hmm. holocaust, holocaust or... but they came down early. I think they were going to wait like a hundred years, but they're running out of oxygen all of a sudden. So and, it's, uh, uh, it's not quite a century later. Right. Okay. Right. So, but anyway, the people have of course survived on earth and yeah. some of them are live in the trees and their tree crew and some mm-hmm. live under the mountain and their mountain crew. And so these new bunch of people, their sky crew, um, there's ice crew, the mm-hmm. ice people. Yes. So yeah, I like that show. And I liked Alicia's, really strong woman yeah um and so i know that she can do it if they'll let her you know if they'll write her character right i think she's getting there yeah she's not as like uh like as established as a strong character as madison is because madison 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 had to start early right madison has reasons to be so like like such a badass because she has family to take care of like kids to take care of Alicia, not so much. You know, she's a teenager. She's usually, you know, she's probably been very, like, She's been protected. Since, yeah. like, for a long time. But now she is, I think she's developing into a really strong character that is very much more family-oriented. She's becoming almost like a matriarchal figure. And she knew that her way to help everybody out was to seduce this guy she's yeah. been talking to on the radio. So he fooled me, now I'm going to fool him. Ooh, um, kind of related, but not really, I guess. <laughs> it made me laugh, and it brought up an interesting point when, um, you know, they were all tied up in, like, the, I don't know what you would call it other than, like, the dining room area of right. the boat. But when they are all, like, tied up there, and um, the pirate is, like, walking through, and, um, oh, what's his name? Not Nick, but the other boy. Chris. Chris. Okay, Chris. Yeah. Wow, total, total blank. But, yeah. Uh, they said something about Alicia, and then uh, Chris says something, or like, or they say like, uh, 
Like, are you worried about your girl or your girlfriend? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, she's my sister. And then they're like, oh, you're doing your sister? That's gross. (laughs) (laughs) They think it's incest or something running around. But it is interesting because if you remember from the first season, they had that kind of, like, bonding moment where they were in that house. They're step-siblings. So they could, you know, and step-siblings have have done stranger things. (laughs) But that raises the question of what is and is not appropriate in the zombie apocalypse. Especially when you're kind of examining it from a, well, we're probably going to need to like repopulate the earth or something. Right. Like, <laughs> they it, would be a logical couple to right. repopulate. At um, least you wouldn't have genetic problems that come from siblings being together. Right. I mean, from, biological siblings being together. You may have emotional incest. Right. But I don't think, I mean, they weren't that close before this. No. You know, the kids barely knew each other. Which is they were probably s- why Chris may or may not have feelings for her. Yeah. It's, it's not really, like, set in stone, but he did have that conversation with the other girl about, you know, oh, like, I really want a girlfriend, basically. And she right. was like, don't worry, there are other girls on this planet. <coughs> There's another girl on this boat. Yeah. That's, <laughs> there are two single women on this boat. That's so. <laughs> probably why. And, like, just because they had no, like previous um, attachment to each other is probably why he can kind of allow himself to maybe have feelings for her. They did have that romantic day in the mm-hmm. neighborhood before they right. bugged out. You know, like, mm-hmm. she was riding the bike yeah. and, you know, let's go to this house and break in and dress up Dressing and up. drink yeah. and tear up shit. And it's just a lovely date. Yeah, uh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> like I wish thing. I'd had a date like that. <laughs> I know. I have to go around destroying stuff, drinking people's alcohol. Loving the zombie <laughs> apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, there's a kind of nihilism that springs up. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but I do think that it seemed pretty clear to me the pirates meant to kill them. Like they were going yeah. to get Travis and Alicia off the boat and then we'll kill the rest. Yeah. Just they they got killed first. First, yeah. It's like the worst one of them. Madison just stabbed him in the gut. Yeah. You know, but he's going to be alive next week because they showed <clears throat> previews of him still being a dick. Yeah. You know, this time to, uh, who's the older guy, the dad of um, Ophelia? Yes. He's um, the guy from El Salvador. Oh, yeah, Ruben Blades, but it's, uh, yeah, um, Salazar. Salazar. Yeah. 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 He's a good actor. Right? Anyway, yeah, he's really he's getting actor. ready to work on that kid, and yeah. you uh, and the kid's still spouting off. And you're like, dude, no. It's not. He'll take you. He'll take. He'll rip the skin off of you. It it was funny though because um, the way that they were setting up that scene, they were like, you know, they kept showing Salazar like getting out of his like binds and everything, and you you thought like, especially when Travis like dropped off the weapons very discreetly behind the couch. You were like, oh, wow, so Salazar's going to, like, bust out of his chains yeah. and then, like, kill a guy. But it was Madison that did it. I know. Pretty neat. They kind of, they set it up a different way, but that just kind of goes back to Madison will, <laughs> Madison will do she anything. She may be there, Carol. You know, Carol's yeah. the badass on uh, Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Then survived. Madison is good for, like, very impulsive, like, I'll kill you, you're doing bad stuff to my family, I'm going to kill you right now. Whereas Salazar is more like, let's let's tie you up. Methodical. And slowly right. kill you so we can get information out of you. He takes his time. Right. He enjoys it. <laughs> I don't know that he enjoys the it. connoisseur of killing, He's, right? <laughs> he seems like a kind man, but he has a very strict sense of priorities. Like, yeah. my family is my priority. You right. know, he's been saying that to Ophelia. You, mm-hmm. know, you and I 
we're the only two that can count on each other. He's willing to do anything to anybody that he has to. Right. So, um, you know, there are, I'm sure, psychopaths that become war criminals, but surprising number of just decent folks next door that, you know, get caught up in it and can't figure out a way to say no to it. And, um, you know, he's got that in his past. And, and he has a to skill call, set. He calls on those those traits. When he needs the, to. Exactly. Because yeah. um, like you said, he may not be that way, but if he can kind of bring that back to the fore when right. he needs to. And, I don't get, you know, he doesn't come, like, Strand, I think he's a sociopath. Like, I don't think he... Yeah gets kicks out of killing people that kind of but i think he'll do whatever i don't know that he has he has a code i'm not sure he has a conscience yeah i think he maybe is, like dexter he's willing to do whatever it takes <laughs> that's to a like, serial murderer mm-hmm. show right right he's willing to do what it takes to make you know uh everything work out for him in the end and he is very loyal to people that yeah. he chooses to be loyal to right but he i definitely see the sociopathy in that he is He's incredibly sociable and charismatic, but it, there's always a motive. He's right. not that way just because that's his personality. He's that way because he knows it's going to get him what he wants. Like, that guy, he has this charisma. Like, that guy should want to kill him. Yeah. And instead, well, I'll let you keep the money and pay me back, and then right. you'll be obligated to me. And, hey, let's be lovers. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> now you're obligated to me. Yeah. Right, and that's what he told Nick. The first time he helped take out. I would say that goes back to your statement, and I wonder, too. So he has a code. Well, it's a transactional ethic. Right, Mm -hmm. right. You're good good to me as long as I can, essentially, as long as I can commodify you. Yeah. Which is vulture capitalism. Right. Vulture capitalism. (laughs) But it's commodification of everything and everybody, not just the land and the air and everything and if, people. if I can't profit off you, I'm going to cut your boat and, you know, let right. you drift off into the open ocean uh, because I don't see the profit in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so he he does have a very, like, I, I don't know that he would, well, I mean, look at what he did when he couldn't fight back. You know, his first instinct was to fight the pirates. Yeah. But um, Salazar had hidden the, the bullets and so crap and so off he goes uh deus ex machina just jumped (laughs) off the ship and you know because normally in any normal episode he would have been hiding somewhere and he'd have done the whole ninja thing like um Mm -hmm. oh um bruce willis in um die hard yeah something Mm -hmm. like that you know no he abandoned ship yes But they did get him back at the end, didn't they? Right, they did. And is he was, wounded? Um, I'm, I don't think he is wounded and that he's like been shot or anything. I right. think they just nicked his boat. But, I mean, he's been drifting in the water for who knows Hours, how long. Right. So he's probably, uh, you know, like ingested a lot of salt water. Mm-hmm. He's not in good shape right Yeah, now. he's definitely not like... That his peak. Yeah, that but, really messes up your biochemistry too, taking on all that salt water. Yeah. But he was going to, I guess, go get his buddy and bring back right. help. Do you have somebody? I thought that I heard somebody at the door, but. Ooh, strand. <laughs> no, it's the pirates. Yeah, maybe. But pirates are always good too. If you know how to handle them narratively, they, they yeah. there's always an excitement about having pirates on board. Well, <laughs> you know, it's almost a kind of stock. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we're in a box here, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, either a house out in the mm-hmm. middle of the country or a boat on the middle of the ocean, and these bad guys come in, and then we have to deal with that. And mm-hmm. it's... Um, I wonder how they're going to deal with the kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they're going to leave them separated. That wouldn't make narrative sense. No. To, you know, leave them for the next couple of seasons. Although, Walking Dead, you know, they've broken up the main group before yeah. for a season. So they could Possible. they could be separated a while. But I do think eventually they're going to want to go back and get their people. I definitely think so. But I wonder... And it was um, it was cool to have our uh, our suspicions um, affirmed <laughs> by um, the last uh, oh it wasn't that wasn't the last episode I don't think but maybe the episode before last I don't remember when Strand is um, in that little like restaurant area I guess and he's talking on the phone to somebody yeah and he, and he did sound affectionate he very sweet yes and we were like hmm, I wonder if it's like his girlfriend or something and it was his boyfriend so yes so strange surprise I, I like although they, not you you had seen it coming I, I like I how they construct the construct these things narratively where each entry each individual episode is like a chapter out of a novel yeah and they're they're Again, it's like this. It's like the whole series is almost like a series of threads that are sort of inter- intertwining, like a spider's web, right. and they unspool just enough of the thread or just enough of the web mm-hmm. to let you figure out and what's, that's what's what going makes on. These kinds of series so distinct from, from the olden days film. because back in those days, it was like short stories in an anthology. So we're right. going to. We've got the stasis going. We've got the same main characters week after week mm-hmm. doing the same thing they always do. And at the end, it resets to zero. So, And the idea was we can replay these in any order whatsoever and right. nobody will care. Mm-hmm. They're all stuff, one-offs. Yeah, this stuff, you have to watch it in order. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's been interesting so far. I don't know. I'm sure you guys have noticed. But um, in this series about zombies... The zombies have been the antagonist, like, no, like, none. Like, hardly at all. It's always, you know, this episode our antagonists were pirates. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The zombies become part of the environment. Right. And the real problem is still people. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like always. I just think that's so interesting, especially, like, you would think that people's biggest fear should be the zombies because they're everywhere. But in reality, there's so much more to fear still other than zombies. The worst part about zombies is the zombie herd. Yes. Know, like when they all when get together. When they're all together, coming at you at right. once. Right. And you've got a, swarm, a baseball yeah. bat and that's about it. Right. Uh-oh. And that's happened in the original series quite a number of times. Mm-hmm. And the second thing that they do is um, you know, it can be underwater or buried or something and then just jump up and yeah. you know, one Get lone you. zombie can bite you from uh-huh. nowhere. A sneak attack. Yes. But I guess if you're uh, confronted with a horde of zombies, you can just kill one and then rub all of their guts If you have you. time, yeah. If you have time. These these walkers are seem to be pretty slow. They're not the fast, you know, yeah. not fast walking. I don't really like those as much. They, those scare me. Like, <laughs> I'm legitimately scared of those kinds of zombies. The, like, <laughs> the viral zombies, I guess you could call them. I usually, like split them up into different categories, but usually when they have some sort of, like, 
virus or like infection or something that like it's it's always usually like oh it swells their brain and it makes them like not think right it's but it also gives them like superhuman abilities it's like they're high on meth or something you know they they're not thinking straight but they can be really fast yeah and you like the zombie I, I prefer I prefer the old style like slow shambling right not that strong but relentless relentless and <laughs> you know either through you know, a, a lucky break, or through a swarm just getting you, they're going to get you somehow. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> My zombie preference, huh? <laughs> the best zombie. <laughs> but, like, um, it always seems that most of the stuff you would normally do, like Contagion, um, yeah. you know, which is similar because it's this outbreak of really bad flu that will sweep through Atlanta. I think they're setting it in. Atlanta must have some pretty amazing is tax that that breaks. New, is, that, is that another apocalyptic yeah. series? Well, I mean, it's like today, and it could become apocalyptic if this stuff gets out of the quarantined area, but what they've done is stack up these shipping containers to make a wall around it. You think, mm. three high, there's no zombie army in the world that could get through that. Yeah, you know, yeah. these, right. uh, these metal containers that just be stuck. But they never think to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was looking at my purse because I thought I brought a granola bar because I'm getting <laughs> hungry, but I didn't. <laughs> it's time for supper. It's a snack. A snack. So, yeah, my bad. <laughs> Anyways, about zombies. <laughs> Back to zombies. <laughs> it's really gallows humor. <laughs> zombies make you hungry, right? Oh, my God. I guess, I guess so. Get some brains. Brains. <laughs> Which that's that's a trope that I haven't seen. These zombies eat any yet. flesh. Yeah, I think that they just want fresh flesh. They don't care about the brains. zombie movement is definitely moving more towards just flesh eating zombies. But if you look at it earlier on, these zombies wanted brains. They were very specific about their diet, right? Dietary requirements. I wonder if flesh is just generally like more nourishing. Than brains because you know brain probably doesn't really have a lot of like well, nutritional value. There's to something it. cheesy Probably. about yeah. zombies gonna brains. You know that's more of a after yeah. a while it becomes more you, Barbara it becomes more it's comic. Of, not huh? the living dead. After a while it becomes more comic than anything. Right. So. Um, well, let's see what else is. Going I must on admit this there have been some real laugh-inducing scenes in the series for me, yeah. and I've got kind of a weird sense of humor anyhow. <laughs> Well, Nick, you know, he, um, he did, I mean, he did a good job with the camouflage of himself yeah, and getting to the guy that he needed to get to. Mm-hmm. Just walks up and knocks on the door. Hey, yeah. you know, I'm from Strand. Here's a piece of paper with guts on it. Yeah. It funny. <laughs> and then the guy told him to go use the last of the water pressure. Right. <laughs> go take a shower because you're not going to get that on my leather interior. But you'll never see that car again. That's not the point. <laughs> and I know what the guy means, yeah. you know, especially the car's his baby. Uh-huh. I've got an old crappy car, but, you know, I'd re- prefer it not to smell. Right. Like zombies. Hopefully. I wasn't sure what he was doing when he was, like, gutting the zombie. I didn't realize that that was his intention. I thought maybe, like, he was searching yeah. for something that it had eaten, maybe. He was going to, like, run the intestines and see what was up. Right. But what was the point? And then it became, oh, okay, he wants camouflage. Mm-hmm. And he, he was, won't. you know, kind of, like, dry heaving into, like, his shoulder because it was just disgusting. I can't and then he met the, the zombie girl, who looked better than he did, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm wondering about something about the the walkers. If there would be a way in one fell swoop to turn them off. Um, That's what they talked about. To turn off their... Because they have to have some sort of neurological ability to be able to be animated, you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something the, that could like electrically turn them off, like a pulse of some sort or something. I don't know. In but. the Walking Dead series, like when we first meet Abraham, he's protecting this guy. His name I can't remember. He's got a mo- a mullet. Mm. He's pretending to be a scientist. That's that, scary enough, as it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be what they're doing. Is we're going to save everybody by. Making a counter virus ah, that disables the or protects people against the zombies. Or... I like the idea of um, of electricity, though. I, mm-hmm. I like electroshock therapy for zombies. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny, actually. That would be. I, maybe that would be a way to sort of like uh, rehabilitate them. I've seen a lot of movies where. Um, you know, the zombie apocalypse happens, and instead of everybody dying, they figure out some way to, like, incorporate the zombies into everyday life, and they, they function. Like the British, oh, the British series? Right, like they, yeah. they would have them, like, chained up or something like that, but I wonder... Well, in the British series, they've got an antidote. You're still a zombie, but you can function. Right. As long as you get your daily shot, your it, normal... It becomes, normal their, it becomes their HIV, right? Right, right. But, but think about just... The, the concept of, you know, having all of your zombies chained up, like, out in your shed or something, like, like Shaun, of uh, Shaun of the Dead. And then you can bring them in, <laughs> and, you know, they're still, like, in their binds or whatever, and then you can do electroshock therapy and zap whatever part of their brain is making them, like, crave flesh. And I don't know, maybe it'll last a while, and then you can, like, come in for, like, monthly, like, reapplication. Soylent green. <laughs> Are you familiar with that? Yes. Soylent green is made out of people. <laughs> Harry Harrison. Yes, a, we're, we're going oh, to. Charlton Heston film mm-hmm. from the 70s. Yes. And it's set after a, it's it's an apocalyptic thing. It's set after a lot of global disasters, isn't it? Where the like, I don't York, know. It's the new world order. Is but I mean, yeah. I think there's like, a, is, doesn't New York? It shows some opening titles, and doesn't New York have twenty or thirty million people? It's just really badly overcrowded. Right. Pollution in the air, and it's all the environmental problems of today come together to create that, and and also overpopulation come together to create the perfect storm. And so we have to eat people in order right. to support ourselves. <laughs> there is a soyant now. You can uh, buy this stuff. It's a, really? it's like um, Insure or something like that. It's supposed uh-huh. to be a dietary. You can live off of soyant alone if you want to. Uh, wow. Or it'll substitute for any meal that you prefer. That's interesting. Apparently the taste is pretty crappy. but <laughs> Ironically, <I can> imagine. <laughs> I'm sure Soylent wouldn't be very good. Ironically, <laughs> I think it's vegan. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> that's funny. So a vegan zombie, they could have something mixed up that they could partake of. Right. Hmm. Um, do we have any more to discuss about the... What? Anything else happen, or um, I guess we'll have to find out more about the pirate yeah. group next week. I'm interested to see where that's going to go with Alicia being very crafty and having well, a plan. Well, is Strand going to want to just abandon them, or will there be a, yeah. some amount of group loyalty that let's go get them? I'm interested in that from the perspective of the, the Baja angle. Yeah. 
I think Baja is a pipe dream. I don't think it'll be... Because like I say, if it works out to be the great, you know, um, refuge that it's supposed to be... And the series would be over. Yeah, it'll be Gilligan's <laughs> Island from now on. You know, yeah. Strand will be the skipper. Mm-hmm. And Nick will be Gilligan. <laughs> and um, Strand's boss will be the Howells. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or maybe maybe the dad will be the skipper. Like, yeah. um, what's his name? Um, you know, the dad that fixes things. He used to be a teacher. Oh, Travis. 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 Oh. Yeah, Travis will be the skipper and then Strand and... Uh, um, <laughs> His guy, they'll be, be the, the howls, howls right? Yeah. Here's our money, boy. Go, uh, go fetch me a, you know, a gin and tonic. Uh, you yeah. can't Thirst do that, right? So the show would dead end if it yeah. turns out to be a safe refuge. They all all have to fall also, somehow. They might just, you know. Maybe Strand's boyfriend would get mad at him if he shows up with like ten people. Here's all these people. <laughs> well, you know. We can have them fetch wood for us, you know. Yeah. They, they're going to need some servants in the apocalypse. That's true. Somebody to wait on them. And the thing about it, though, once the economy is broken down, mm-hmm. you know. There is no class right. system mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, well, I don't want what you have. I'm going to take it. And it already yeah. that started to happen. It's that might makes right, right again. We've got more guns than you give us your stuff. And if you think about it, Strand was already living the apocalypse lifestyle before the apocalypse even mm-hmm. happened. That's true. He just mm-hmm. took whatever he needed or wanted from anybody well, and lived off of that. And he was in a very real American apocalypse mm-hmm. where yeah. all of our institutions collapsed at the same time, and that's Katrina. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we've mentioned this before, but the only thing that kept people with food and water for days... After Katrina was the gangs, the looters. There yeah. have been yeah, pres- they would go out and loot, quote yeah. unquote. There have been uh, precedents for something like that in the past, where you see a, a great it was a yellow fever epidemic, but anyhow, it was a big epidemic in early American uh, Philadelphia around the, mm. around the beginning of the nineteenth century, late eighteenth, early nineteenth century, and the wealthier that it was handled about like it would have been in old Europe, where the, the wealthy got out of town. I mean, they, right. would, yeah. they would leave. And the well, poor residents, the poor whites, and, and also African Americans stayed in the city, and it, it ended up being a big situation where the racists came out in droves, and the African Americans nursed the whites that stayed behind, the mm. Europeans that stayed behind, but were vilified for it afterward. Right. And it, it, it becomes key, it becomes key in understanding the rise of an early Black Protestant movement in the, in, in the United States. Mm. So the father of Black Methodism, Richard Allen, but he was one of the many that stayed behind. Of, you know, people. Yes, but the, I mean, some of them just frankly couldn't leave. They were too poor to yeah. get out. But Allen stayed behind, you know, with a lot of people he knew. Well, in Louisiana, we <clears> had <throat> regular outbreaks of yellow fever, and, you know, priests yeah. and nuns were famous mm-hmm. for. In Shreveport, a lot of right. them died right yeah. after the Civil War. There was a big, big outbreak. It really hit Shreveport hard in the 1870s or sometime. Yeah, if you one of the churches has the history of that on their website. How did we? Oh, um, you know, civilization collapsing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and usually, I mean, the way that it's supposed to be is that some local disaster will overwhelm local resources, and then the broader society can react and bring in help. But what happens when they're overwhelmed? And that's what this whole, you know, somehow the problem has scaled up 
they've been unable to keep it contained, and now it's gotten everybody. And you know, the first responders are the first to go. You know, fire, yeah. police, hospitals. Mm-hmm. You remember last season, one of the hospitals we saw it was already falling when they right. were driving by because right. hey, that's where the zombies are. Yeah, people get sick, they take them to the hospital, and then the hospital falls. So. Mm-hmm. I see we've been going close to an hour. Do y'all have anything else to note before we wrap mm. up for this week? I'm ready for next week. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for next week's episode. Very excited and to I've, see I've you. And I've seen something. Uh-huh. I think this, this season is going to have, is it 15 episodes? It's Something like that. I'm not it's sure. It's a lot more. You know, yeah. It's almost triple the number 15 from last or 16. Year. Yeah. But I think they're going to take a hiatus. I think we've got a couple more episodes this year. This, okay. Like Walking Dead does that. They'll film, you know, Yep. Eight or so episodes, and then take a break and show the rest. So it's ah. almost like two seasons a year hmm. instead of. So when would they come back? I like would say August, or, right? Okay, okay, yeah. Late, late summer, early fall, right? Probably. Like a year after the first series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we may be back here in uh, September. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Is there? Is the next episode happening next week? Yeah, yeah. We got okay. I think two or maybe three more this this run. And I'm hoping they get them out from their captivity. Yeah, I hope so. Because that could turn really bad really fast, you yeah. know, the whole human trafficking thing. <laughs> but, you know, it would be a natural extension of, you know, if you've got guns, you can make people do stuff and not yeah. pay them. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, a return to slavery. I was thinking that, exactly. It's there are a lot of people that have been over. arguing for that anyway um, mm-hmm. without the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Well, and look at look at you, Quinn, right now in school with students are essentially going to, a lot of them will get out of college or university and they're going to have so much debt they're going into what amounts to indentured servitude. Yeah, basically. Which is only a hop, skip, and a jump away from slavery, really. Because you cannot discharge this debt. Mm -hmm. Other debts, you can go to court. With everything that's happening to tops, like, I may very well be on my way to that as well. Right. Because I can't just pay out of pocket tuition. No, you can so I'm, not the way it is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I may the not. The system is, is gained for the rich, who, who still will be able, and the upper middle class will still be able to put their kids into school. Right, right? middle class, lower class, forget it. And that limits the number of majors you can choose because you can't mm-hmm. do something That's just because it's good for society without making a lot of money right. to pay right. your pay your uh, student loans back. I could work four hours a week in the seventies and pay for my tuition. Mm-hmm. And you would have to work 40. Yes. So that's that's what's happened. And people we'll complain about millenniums. They're mm-hmm. full of crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're just we're just trying to deal you're, with what else. You're dealing else. with what people have handed you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the, this brings up to the right wing how Republican politics and the Republican Party is a zombie party of sorts. Oh, I think that's why zombies are so popular right now. There's a certain zombie the, the characteristic, right? Contemporary society. Yeah, sure. Whereas 20 years ago, it was vampires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's zombies, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, vampires will suck you dry. But usually, they want the social order to keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this famous. Do you, you ever watch Buffy? Mm-hmm. Buffy. You remember the time Buffy and Spike? team up in season two and 
angels gone bad. And she said, why would you ever help me? Because I like, you know, because I want to save the world. He said, are you ridiculous? Do you hear how you sound? He said, oh, well, you know, I like cigarettes. I like Manchester United. I like, you know, Piccadilly. You know, he liked yeah. the world. He liked civilization. And he wanted to be a parasite, but he wanted it there. And yeah. now we've got the parasites to the point that they actually will destroy the mm-hmm. thing that they're feeding off of. It's right. the more nihilism in a way. Yeah. Have you heard the story of the scorpion and the frog? The uh, scorpion came to the edge of the stream and couldn't get across. And there was a frog sitting there, and he asked, Would you give me a ride across? And the frog said, If I do, you'll sting me, and we'll both die. Or, uh, if you do, you'll... If I give you a ride, you'll sting me, and I'll drown. And he says, That's ridiculous. Why would I do that? If you drown, I drown. So obviously I'm not going to sting you. And so the frog said, Well, climb up... And, frog started swimming across with the scorpion, and the scorpion stung him. And they started to sink, and the frog said, yes, but why did you do that? Now you'll die. And the scorpion said, well, it's my nature. Mm-hmm. You know, I cannot act, against my, own act against my own nature. And I think we have a ruling elite, mm-hmm. 1% nowadays, who cannot act against their nature. They have to destroy the society that maintains them. And tell themselves somehow they'll go galt, you know. And I do like the it's their less, programming in a way. Yeah, they and cannot. They're caught in what amounts to a computer endless loop, right? Right. Something I've got to get more and more and more, and I've got to see you getting less and less and less. And at some point, that will collapse, yeah. and they'll be dead. But eh, you know, that's <laughs> hey, their nature. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let them eat cake, you know, and then yeah. off with their heads, and it's too late. <laughs> People like Roosevelt were operating to save capitalism, not mm-hmm. to destroy mm-hmm. it. Yeah. By undoing that New Deal, you've let it let the beast off the mm-hmm. let the zombies out. Right now, they're about to kill us all. Well, on that cheerful note, <laughs> um, thanks for joining us. Yes, come back next week. I'm Bruce McGee. I'm Quinn Warner, and I'm Steve Payne. We want to thank all of you for tuning into this week's edition of Fear the Walking Dead, a podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week. Bye for now. See ya.